0: I am so excited to tell you that InvestSmart and Intelligent Investor are long-term sponsors of this podcast, and here's something I want to tell you about. The Intelligent Investor Select Value Fund is a unique mix of global leaders and homegrown small caps poised for long-term growth. The Portfolio Manager is Nathan Bell, a talented investor you may have heard on the Rask Network multiple times. The Select Value Fund is designed for investors seeking international diversification and Aussie companies with superior financial metrics. You can invest today at intelligentinvestor.com.au, slash, IISV offer. That's intelligentinvestor.com.au, slash, IISV offer. Hey there, here's a quick note. This podcast contains general financial advice only. That means it's not specific to you, your needs, goals, or objectives, so don't act on the information until you've spoken with your financial advisor. You'll find our full disclosure, disclaimer, and link to our financial services guide in the show notes. Rob, welcome to the Australian Investors Podcast.
1: Thank you, Owen. It is weird being on this side when it's usually me hiding behind the screen when you're on the Self Wealth Live weekly, so it's good to be here and do a little bit of an admin reveal.
0: Yes, for the thousands of people who watch Self Wealth Live, we are joined by none other then Rob from Self Wealth. Yes, that is right. The Rob from Self Wealth, mate. It is an absolute pleasure to have you in front of the camera for a change.
1: Appreciate. Someone uh, yesterday was saying face for radio, and I appreciate you saying that it wasn't. Um, <laughs> thank you for that. Um, and also also finally good, I think, for, to get to have some face-to-face with some of the viewers. Yeah. You
0: know? yeah, it's great, mate. Um, thank you so this much for This is who I am. He is a real person if you are watching on YouTube. If you're listening while driving your car, do not get out the YouTube app. Wait till Until you get home and uh, check out uh, Rob. Um, mate, we do Self-Off Live each and every week. Um, Wednesdays, 6 p.m. Wednesdays, 6 p.m. Be there or not, but you should be there. Thousands of people, tens of thousands of people have tuned in. Um, and we'll come to that in a bit about your experience and how you moved into this industry, because mm. you're not from an investing background. No. So uh, we'll talk about that in a moment. But for folks who on the off chance have not heard of self-wealth, can you set the scene for us?
1: I can. And I'm hoping that it's a very slim chance, considering a lot of the uh, awareness branding that we've done with Rask over the time. So I'm hoping <laughs> yeah. your audience at least is familiar with yeah. self-wealth. But for those who don't know, self-wealth is the original disruptor of uh, exorbitant bank brokerage. We've been around for 10 years. We've been listed on the market since around 2017. And that's something that is different and special to a lot of the other incumbents because they don't have to be as transparent with their numbers as we do. And that's something that we pride ourselves on. Um, We have attracted a good amount of uh, what we call established investors because we have a flat fee brokerage model. Mm -hmm. Um, And also of those investors that have come on, we have... Jumped into the top four spots in the Australian investment space, so we're the first ones to actually bump one of those big four banks off the top four podium, and jump right. yeah, and take some of that space. So we've got one hundred twenty nine thousand active investors. The keyword there is active, and we have about nine nine point two nine point three billion dollars funds under management. So that gives you an indication if you want to do some quick maths of the average portfolio size that these people have on self wealth.
0: Mm. And it's really interesting because. Um we we've seen a huge foray of people moving in to investing for the first time, mm. and a lot of new brands kind of taking some of those newer accounts, the small, much smaller balances. And you actually, and we'll cover this in just a moment. You were telling me about this. You have some industry data which you're going to share with us today. Yes. About the number of people who have maybe quote unquote disappeared or become dormant, as the industry would put it. Yeah. But. Other, is there anything else other than fixed cost brokerage that you think m- has made self wealth such a success? Well, look, self-wealth, uh, we really
1: took off during that like COVID time. So we were around before then. And then when COVID had that huge investor boom, a lot of your viewers, a lot of your audience will know that the market was performing very well then. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you'll know that the um, investment space, the amount of Australian retail investors doubled over that time in, that, in 2020. And self-wealth captured a lot of them. Because at that time, it was just some of those big banks. You were having to pay large spreads on some of those large trades. Um, there were, in the months to come after that, we had instances like the GameStop um, mm,
0: saga. debacle, cycle, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. saga, yeah. yeah.
1: Um, at those stages, a lot of platforms were going offline. They were having outages. Self-wealth was not one of those. We also Mm -hmm. didn't stop people from trading uh, GME because we feel it is weird to just stop investors from trading things that they want. but over that time, we did get a lot of that Australian investing market. And I think it is, well, my job in the marketing space to then try and get these people to do what they have uh, committed to, to get the best practice investment education, to do the things that are going to be better for their portfolio and their well-being mm. over the long run.
0: Mm. Jeff Bezos had this say, saying um, that I was watching, because um, you know how obviously anytime there's something new and innovative on the cost front, uh, There's a certain type of person that rocks up in the beginning uh, and he would say like when you have prime free shipping, it's like the buffet. If you offer a free buffet, the first people to rock up are the really hungry people, the people who eat a lot, right? Mm. Um, And when you offer fixed cost brokerage, which is super innovative at the time and probably still is. In fact, it still is. um, A lot of the people that come are people that have big portfolio balances, right? Definitely. And they're like, well... Traditionally, in the past, this might have cost me hundreds or maybe even thousands of dollars, depending on the size of my single trade. And then here comes self-wealth at $9.50 a trade. I guess my question to you then is, is self-wealth just a platform for people with huge balances?
1: Definitely not. So if I was touching on the COVID space before then, mm. we got a lot of that investment market and we got a lot of those people who are new to the investment market. So we've got a lot of those people in their 30s or their 40s, they might be using investing to save for a property. Yep. They might be doing a fledgling portfolio. I think there are people and look, you've, you've been investing for a long time. I have only been in it for the last uh, few years or so. But I think within my friend group or those people that I know um anecdotally a lot of people see themselves as someone who is going to be an investor you know even if you're not in the stock market a lot of people think mm, i'm going to be fair. i'm going to invest one day you know like it'll it'll happen one day and a lot of people just need that um that nudge to get that impetus to do it covid was that we have a lot of those people mm. on self-wealth and something i like to say is that self-wealth's um investing spread our investors of that 129k is fairly representative of the australian investment landscape the just in general. Mm-hmm. That's why I say when I come to uh, do any of the stats on our millionaire investors or the stats on what we're trading in US, the stats on what we're trading on the um, ASX, et cetera, these things get picked up by a lot of media because we are fairly representative. And fairly representative means that we have a small sect or um, smaller sect of people that have those high net wealth, just mm-hmm. as the population does. You mm-hmm. know, There are a lot of rich people. They throw out the average wage average salary but there aren't as many of them as that middle band so we still have a lot more of that middle band who are you know starting out their portfolio they're not a lot of people see those investors especially in the investing space as being kind of like newbies or or just not as uh sophisticated as the others because you've got these people who are making these big trades they've been in this business for a long time and then you've got these others that are coming in and they're seen as lesser just because they are the least yeah but that's Far from it. Within Australia, they're a, they're, they're a niche, you know? There aren't that many active Australian investors. So they are a niche. They know a good amount about investing or usually enough to get into it. Um, and they are, compared to their friend at the pub, they are seen as the investor. Hmm. Even though we see that broad band of the 30s to 40s who have like, I don't know, 10, 20K in a portfolio trading once every like month, those types of things, just topping up, dollar cost averaging. We might see them as uh, a, a smaller group or like, Maybe not as important. I'd say, I'd say they're much more than the average Australian.
0: Yeah, that's actually a really good way to frame it. Um, and I think a lot of our industry does think about that in in the sense of like, well, the quote unquote retail investor is less sophisticated. Mm. Yet, a lot of the studies show that some of them do exceptionally well. Um, yeah. I know you know this. Every week we would do on the Self off Live program, we would do the top ten most bought and sold, and of course you get some of those meme stocks in there uh, occasionally. But a lot of it's just like really simple, long-term focused investing which yeah. is just what we want to see, basically.
1: Yeah, when we were doing those, uh, we used to do those top 10 trades, and this is a little bit of a deep cut yeah. for the uh, Self Wealth Live viewers from maybe six or so months ago. But when we were doing that, we'd always try to, unless it was something a little bit uh, spicy, a little bit salacious, we'd always try to take <laughs> out VDHG, VAS, A200, NDQ, yeah. because they were always just the top. You know, yeah. They are what people invest in more than anything else. So yeah. we'd try and take those ETFs out and talk about single stocks because they are somewhat more invest, uh, interesting than people who are just doing the thing, which is actually by far the best thing that you can do. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. You've, you've shown me enough graphs um, <laughs> yeah. on, on Self Health Live about dollar cost averaging outperforming every single other method.
0: Yeah, yeah, of course. Mm. Um, so speaking of, uh, one thing that we, I might just put you in the hot seat for a bit of a Shoot. hot moment here, Rob. Um, so your background is marketing. Yes. Right. And you've landed at Self Wealth and you've Taken on the role head-on. What have been some of your learnings coming at it from someone who is um, from a marketing background, mm. um, looking at investing? And even I'm going to ask you the question because I know you you want me to. We don't. You probably don't want me to ask you, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Which is um, around how your investing has gone so far.
1: <laughs> Go on. Okay. <laughs> okay. So- we'll, we'll, we'll touch them. We'll touch on them in, in pieces. I think coming to investing as A marketer right you do see it as being something that's a little bit scary i think you have something that marketers think about a lot in uh like biases right and the things that you have to things the levers that you can pull or to try and get people to act in the way that is best for them uh before that you've got say like the loss aversion you've got confirmation bias you know that trading is just for what you've seen on instagram which is people spending their entire life behind seven screens looking at um Investing tea leaves yeah. for different shapes in charts <laughs> yeah. etc but coming to marketing oh, come, sorry coming to investing is the, the main learning is that it's a lot more boring doing the thing that is you, you need to do that dollar cost averaging yeah. that is the the harder thing I think for us to get across and this is something that I like to communicate is our job within the investment education space is like making people floss. You know, everyone knows that you have to floss. Mm-hmm. People know that if they continue to do this, just a little bit by a little bit, like low effort, like may take you like two seconds to do in your in your day, but then by the time you are sixty, you're going to have this asset, right? You're going to have your teeth. You're going to have something that will immeasurably make your life a little bit better. But it is really hard mm-hmm. to relate that to the five minutes or so before bed. You know, it's very hard to convince people that. Your financial well-being, and then probably your quality of life in your fifties, sixties, seventies, whatever it's going to be, your fire number for for those people. Um, all it really takes is a small amount of investing done regularly. The numbers are irrefutable. The numbers are like. There is a mountain of data out there, um, a lot of which I've seen from you, um, <laughs> showing that <laughs> there's sister. just those yeah, just those little little things that you need to do. Um, what were the other ones that you're going? My,
0: your. So what what's been your most memorable investment so far? Okay, you've only been doing this a short time, but we've all we've all got them though. So yeah, what, what is it?
1: Yeah, I think I think I know what you're aiming for here, and it's something that I've brought on, the, uh, I've uh, griped about, moaned wind about on self-wealth live a few times is my crip investment which famously did not do too well for me i was talking to someone one someone in the chat of the live recently and i was saying crip uh so for anyone who doesn't know this is the beta shares cryp yeah. ticker code and that invests in uh
0: crypto innovators
1: they call innovators it. Yeah, yeah that's the thing um and when it had sorry I was speaking to someone recently in the, in the chat and i was saying it's up 109 percent um Year to date, just a pity that I did not buy it at the start of the year. So, yeah, famously, I think I I, I sold at a loss, and I think I bought for maybe twelve or thirteen dollars. I might have sold for two. Um, just to, I I couldn't bear Welcome it anymore. Welcome to
0: the stock market. I couldn't I
1: couldn't bear seeing that red line on my brokerage every day when I log when I log in and just had a little look. I'm like I can't I can't do this anymore. It's got to go. And yes, I did sell it before year to date when it started going back up. So. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, That's good. Yeah, you're uh, alone. Sorry to hear that, mate. But no. okay, so other than that it's a harsh lesson, which yes. is so common um, for people, typically that we all have one memory of our starting out in the stock market, which is we either do well and we remember that winner, or remember the loser. Like to be honest, most people could probably put their mind back to that. I remember my first winner was Telstra of all shares, mm. um, and that was just pure luck. Um, and th- thanks to that, I probably it's was the confirmation able to... bias. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah. What else have you learned about investor behavior in this time? Because a marketer's role is basically to dial into behavior and what's going on, like you said, in biases in people's brains to make a decision. What have been your broader learnings?
1: I count myself as blessed for coming into investing as a marketer because, as you say, it's all about finding the psychographic that could be like the behavioral uh, influences the demographic so you know age gender location those types of basic things Um, and Mm. then also going into data that might be qualitative or quantitative to just understand the Australian investor and that is about the best way to learn about investing Mm. generally I I believe Um, also blessed Mm. to be paid to learn about investing to start Um, I did a recent (laughs) uh, podcast on the self-wealth podcast just to advertise a competitor on the show (laughs) just as you do to me sometimes on the Wednesdays and the lives Um, uh, we spoke to Frances Cook and she said that one of her favorite uh, investing things about getting into investing was because she did it as a journalist and she got paid to do it and then Mm. she found that like love for it and that's exactly the same way that I've come into it one of the main learnings I think is that on the broader side generally Australian investors do do what they are Quote unquote meant to, so that would be investing in those small pieces. But Mm. that means that it also shows that there are a small amount of people who do do the higher trading. You know, it's not all the flashy charts and uh, charting and technical analysis that can be quite daunting. A lot of people just do the thing, go Mm. go buy and buy, collect their dividends. They might have a broader ETF portfolio, etc. But. I think blessed as well to have a lot of the insider industry analysis that is not uh, available to the general public, not even available to a lot of other companies, because a lot of this data is very expensive to get your, to get your hands on, and I think it gives you a good idea mm. of what is happening in this market. The market's quite cyclical. Um, you get to see, or I get to see on Self-Wealth what the investors are doing daily. That's, that's quite nice. Yeah. I've, I've, I've reported on, say, I've got, got one of reporting on the millennial millionaire investors. I think it was at the start of the year, and I don't have the, the stats in front of me, but it was uh, Leo Lithium, I believe. It was ticker code LLL. And we're seeing a big influx. And in these millionaires, these uh, serious people making serious investments, uh, we're seeing that they were buying into LLL. And I'm looking at the chart. I'm like, hold on, this is down, has been down for a while. No real news out don't know what's going on. And then uh, a month or two months later, the the stock has had this turnaround. It's just starting to to churn, go like, you know, Mm. in the the other direction. There have been a few of those that I've seen from just looking at some of the larger traders and learning from them. This isn't magic, it's just people who maybe have done a lot of research and that is a conduit that we then give to our investors. So Mm. I'll report on what those millionaires are buying just so then our other investors can say, is it for me, is it not for me? Don't know. Might be. Yeah. Like, am I going to take a be, be speculative on this? Maybe not. Yeah. You know? Yeah.
0: Ready for a spring break to remember? Amtrak's got just a ticket for you and your crew. With share fares, you and your friends can save up to 60%. The more who travel, the more you save. Skip the hassle of driving through the Northeast while exploring DC, Philly, New York, and Boston. No middle seats and plenty of leg room are just an Amtrak away. And with stops right in the heart of your favorite cities, you'll arrive downtown, not out of town. Savings start with three travelers, eight travelers required for 60% discount. Visit Amtrak.com slash sharefares to book. Restrictions may apply. I think that's great. Like we you obviously have access to heaps of data, which is great. Um, And I remember when we did the top, you know, top most bought ETFs, shares, whatever, U.S. stocks, um, it was really encouraging for me to see that. Mm. Um, And I think we'll come to it in a minute. But the, the the lack well, the falling number of financial advisors in the country has given birth to this huge demand for education around investing 100 percent, and that's great for us it's great for you mm. um because we can fulfill that need um but it's great to see that some of the the wisdom that's just like you know simple ideas about how to create wealth are really starting to show through or say 20 or 30 years ago maybe not so much um and then i think speaks to like self offer We can just talk about that for a second. Like you and I working on that for 18 months, two years now.
1: It has to be two years. I think we're up to two years. Yeah, Yeah, I I believe we've been doing this for for quite a while or it could be maybe 23 months. But look, nail on the head, there is a desperate need for that financial education within the space, especially for a lot of people just coming to the market and wanting to know uh, what to buy, what to trade. You cannot tell someone what to buy and what to trade even if that advice is just say there is a, an etf that's performed well for a decade um it follows all the basic principles and you can't tell them for a very good reason you know asic mm-hmm. the regulator has got some rules in place that you can't tell people what to do because people will then abuse that and you know tell someone to buy mm-hmm. a stock that could be a little bit too speculative yeah. for them it can it can ruin some lives in terms of the finances but say we've had a recent rule around the influences that we can have because we've had a few bad actors that meant that people weren't allowed to uh, advertise investment education, but that also just means that it's out of the uh, public conscience, I feel. Like there's not as You're not going on Instagram and seeing people talk about what to invest in, uh, mm. just general approaches to investing as much because people are scared. And that puts the onus on people like you and me. We have to uh, bring up this like bulging middle of investors and teach them the, the basics, like as you say, good for us, I guess, because it's like uh, taking away that pull, but also there is the double-edged sword in that while people like you and I are some of the few providers of this education or those that have managed to get licensed since, the interest, especially in a cyclical market when the stocks are down and the mm. environment's tightening a little bit, people don't have as much cash, the interest isn't there as much. Which so, is such a shame because you, know,
0: you want people to stay on the on the roller coaster at this point. Yeah, if they're especially if they're long-term accumulated straw hats in the winter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so Ben, we were looking at the numbers before about eleven thousand subscribers to YouTube, which is pretty insane.
1: I think it is ten point nine something thousand yeah. on the YouTube rounding up, of course. Yeah, over yeah. here, we'll Mr. Go, Owen, rounding up we'll k. <laughs> yeah. Um, and. that's that's also just representative of the need for this stuff. So look, you and I are doing this thing every Wednesday. We were up for one of the, uh, I think it was financial education campaign of the year pretty recently alongside like AMP and BlackRock. Mm -hmm. AMP, BlackRock, and then this thing that you and I do on a a Wednesday. Like it's incredible, but it just shows that there's need for for what we do. We've got this engaged user base. We've got like thousands of people watching, plenty of people jumping in on the actual live chat, which is some of the yeah. fun of it and yeah. uh, rating your jokes. Also, by the way, you said when I was going to jump in that I could do a dad joke. You yes. do a dad yes. joke on yes. my show every week. Yes. Why can't yeah. I do okay. one on yours? Okay. Do you have one? Uh, yes, I, okay. Do. Okay. I do. Okay,
0: give us your best dad joke.
1: Uh, why did the bicycle fall over?
0: Well, I don't know. Any guesses? No. Uh, because there was no one pedaling,
1: because it was too tired. <laughs>
0: Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Too tired. I yep. get it. That was a, mm-hmm, there's mm-hmm. multiple Thank layers you. for that Thank one. You. I think. I'll, give yeah. you
1: a, I'll give you a 7 out of 10. Seven. Harsh judge. Harsh I, get judge. Of,
0: um, I get a lot of 1s or 2s. I gave um, you a 2 last night. I'm sorry.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't cringe enough for me.
0: <laughs> okay. So, the next question I have for you is something that you're privy to that I'm not as privy to, which is this idea of viewing the world of, let's just take the brokerage wealth management platform industry. Right, as the whole lens. We've heard some huge numbers thrown out about the number of people that are starting to invest during COVID but there's, you've been telling me lately that there are some numbers that look like it's the other way around now as in some people have maybe left or have stopped trading and we know this anecdotally because a lot of folks are tight. They've got their family budget, right? Their interest rates have gone up on their mortgage so their rent's gone up is doing the thing. So, yeah, they're all just struggling. Yeah. So they're not investing as much. What can you tell us about this?
1: Well, within the investment space, there is a lot of uh, reporting on the amount of uh, investors that Australian has. The The ASX has rightly reported on the growing amount and saying that there are a, a large a large amount of the Aussie investors, more than ever, et cetera, et cetera. And that is one view of looking at it. That's looking at the amount of Australian investors that at some stage have bought an equity. Yeah. That doesn't mean that they're really active investors, I would say, because they might have gotten equity 10 years ago, 20 years ago. They might not have opened their portfolio in a while. They're not what we would call investors because they're not actively okay. doing The thing yeah uh there is a company called investment trends and they do a report that is global it's uh, it goes across a a number of markets Mm -hmm. um and say within australia a lot of the larger players like self-wealth the big banks other incumbents anyone who wants to participate will put their investor numbers in so then these people go um along and they analyze it and they have a look at the actual number of investors who have been trading and it's had some surprising it's reported on some surprising numbers in the actual amount of Australian investors. If we're talking about active, and we're characterising that as people who have made a trade in the last 12 months, which, look, it's not not even that active in terms of mm. what a lot of people are really doing, especially on the self-wealth platform. Um, we went up to about 1.5 million um, mm. in about six or so months ago. But in the last six months, over 400,000 of those investors within Australia went dormant. So, so haven't traded? Haven't, haven't traded in 12 months. So in that six-month period, you could, you could almost say it's nearly a third of those, of those active Australian investors left the market, just completely disappeared. But that obviously does not mean that there are only the other two-thirds left. You get other people who used to be dormant coming in. You get new investors coming in, people reactivating portfolios and doing the rest. Mm-hmm. But it is highly indicative of the RBA tightening Yeah. So, and it's something that I don't think anybody's really been speaking about in the media at all. That a large amount, like, look, one and a half uh, million of them, we've lost nearly a third that just decided to not trade. Mm. Um, And naturally, they've got higher mortgages. They have other things to uh, spend their cash on. And maybe topping up that ETF portfolio, whatever they're doing, is not the. It's it's not not getting food on the table. Yeah. You know, those types of things. I think the thing that, that speaks to for companies like Self-Wealth is that we have got a lot of those larger portfolios or those more like established style of investors. We still have some of those that might have gone dormant in the last 12 months or just maybe like traded a little bit. but we also have retained and kept those serious investors. So those are the ones who have stayed in market because they mm. are the ones who have seen a few cycles go through and they know look this is just a cycle I'm going to stick to my investment thesis I'm going to do what I intended to do and just invest through just the investing. downturn which is yeah just keep buying as, yeah. as some would say
0: yeah you at Selfwealth, you also have um a lot of self-managed super funds on the platform as well and those types of vehicles and accounts would be continually investing because they're getting benefits from mm. you know the super contributions and all of that as well and they want to keep buying and whatever so there's multiple reasons why those more affluent investors those established investors will keep buying throughout this market cycle
1: 100% I I think it's it's it can be scary right like yeah for sure I I know all of the things I teach people all of these things but there still might be a month when I'm like mm, maybe I won't buy this month you know yeah. it's it's hard yeah. even when you know to floss to make yourself floss, you know? Like <laughs> yeah. you have to understand that people are people are human, they're not just robots, which is why uh, say a lot of the people prefer to have like maybe a, a fund that's just managed by robots. We're not quite at the stage where ChatGPT will sort our portfolio out for us, but uh, that's sit <laughs> and forget, stick to the philosophies, do do your thing, you know, stick to your thesis, et cetera, that, that works.
0: What about then in the international context? So you mentioned there like investment trends can look broadly across the world mm-hmm. and they do. What- and I, don't, I get some questions about this. We have people that listen to the show that are not Australian, even though it says Australian Investors Podcast. We've got a lot of Kiwi friends, of course. Thank you very much. But um, we get people from the USA, from Canada, UK, Singapore, uh, Hong Kong, listeners all over the world. And there was even some in like sub-African countries that I'd never even heard of. I don't know if it's just an Aussie on work. Trip or something yep. like that, but have yep. um, got
1: someone someone flying out of Canberra.
0: someone's yeah. over there doing something. Um, but can you talk to us about the diff the key differences, or just maybe not all of them, but just even what you think about when you think about Aussie versus, say, international investors?
1: Yeah, definitely. And this, it, I don't really know if it's just me being in this space, so I think that it's somewhat intuitive. But Australians aren't big on equities, regardless of some of the numbers that might be out there. We're not as big on equities as other things. We obviously love home ownership. We have superannuation. But in terms of that global space, um, look, COVID maybe moved the numbers a a little bit to not out of the the normal. So if you look to the numbers Mm. beforehand, Credit Suisse did... RIP to Credit Suisse, did a wealth report that they were doing every year. And what they'd look at is the uh, proportion of wealth by countries. And I'd noted that Australia is like, you know, they're, they're up there in terms of the amount of wealth that they have. But we are the anomaly globally in the amount of equities that we have. Because I think it was the average portfolio at that time, 2019, granted, it was about 19 or so percent of their portfolio was in equities compared to a global average of about 29%. And then if you're looking at the amount that they had and what Credit Suisse defined as, so I think it was just other um, financial instruments, but other in most countries made up of pension, made up of superannuation. So it was something along the lines of 30 to 34% was the global average, but then Australia had about 60 to 64%. Wow. You know? So it's a lot of money that is in the,
0: a lot of money in super,
1: that's look not a, not a bad thing, but then also a lot of money in property. So something that... Also came out of that 2019 report was Credit Suisse saying that Australia was some of the biggest losers in terms of their wealth because they're so reliant on property, yeah. not diversified, as you as you would say. Mm-hmm. And when those property prices went down, their average wealth dropped yeah. a lot. Yeah. You know, there's also, That's I think.
0: So interesting, isn't it? Yeah.
1: Like something that I feel like maybe you and I kind of like know intuitively a little bit, but yeah, the, the rest of the world invests more in the stock market. And look, if you're uh subscribe to any of the uh danny kahneman beliefs or anything like that there's going to be a gravitation towards the mean like globally we will eventually have a more uh average way that's investing i think australia is going to go to that point as well so australia i Hmm. personally predict will then have more of their share of their portfolio their net wealth in some of those equities and Look, I do believe that's a good thing because then no one will be calling us losers when our property prices go
0: down. <laughs> well, it's probably a good thing, right? It is, and um, I remember there was a credit Credit Suisse report that I read a similar thing, but it just looked at stock markets overall and the performance of them. Mm. So, going back many years, and they. The number one country that they surveyed of all the countries that they surveyed for stock market performance over the ultra long term was Australia and they called it the truly lucky country. Mm. So to have such a good performing stock market and people to be underweight the stock market a stock market performs so well. It's yeah. so
1: resilient. Like yeah. I've got, I've got a, a brother in London. I was looking at the FTSE over like the last like year or so, and it has been undulating. Looking at the <laughs> NZ50, it has been undulating. But because we've got um, materials and resources that do so well, like it's it's interesting that of all the countries that don't invest in stocks that much. It's Australia, and then we have franking credits. Like it's, <laughs> it's just this little oasis for us, and a lot of people aren't privy to it or, or like aware. They
0: don't have the context.
1: Yeah. yeah, And but like also on the on the on the other side of that, when I'm talking about the other dormant numbers um, across those other maybe developed company uh, countries. You'd like uh, for stock markets, so you got Singapore, France, uh, the US, England, all of those types. Australia had a higher percentage of investors that went dormant compared to others because it's more within just their normal. I guess public conscience—the way that people like, act—they're like, "Oh yeah, investing. We know the thing. We understand. We keep doing it." Yeah. But Australians got scared, and and they like pulled out in, in a large amount. So that's a lot of those people who would be um, smaller smaller traders on those like kind of other types of incumbents. You know, like doing a little bit here and there. Yeah. Um, those people got scared and pulled away.
0: So yeah. that's again such an important education piece. I'm going to be biased towards this, of course. We probably both will be, but like the education piece is so important for people that are trying to navigate that part of their life early on. Okay, so I've got probably two more uh, questions for you. They're more on the marketing side because that's your forte. Yeah, hit me. Um, when you think about how the investments industry is marketing to us, so as consumers, we are the investors, we are the consumers of this content and the marketing, how do you think about the landscape generally?
1: The thing that I think about the landscape is maybe people should know as non-marketers is that like with any trade, marketing has some uh, tips and tricks, etc. And something that works in most markets is a thing called ESOV, excess share of voice. Share of voice within marketing is the... Amount of advertising that your company could have in market per se. Mm-hmm. And then that share of voice is taken of the companies in your category, um, could be in that finance space. So if you were just looking at those big, big four banks, you got that share of voice. ComSex, probably your com bank will have that, yep. I don't know, 40 or so percent. And then you might have like NAB and then a little bit from like ANZ and Westpac. So those have those share of voice in terms of their spend, right? Yep. Um, excess share of voice is a marketing tactic that has shown and proven to be effective in a number of markets over a number of years. Where if you take your share of voice and you've got 10%, say, yep. if you then have 20% of your um, share of voice, so you up that, or sorry, I'll, I'll reframe that. If you, your, if you take your share of market yep. and your share of market is 10%, if you then up your share of voice to be above your share of market, so you've got 10% share of market, you go 20% mm-hmm. share of voice. In that three to five years, your market share, and then for investors, that company's market cap will improve. That will increase. And that's why we have so many Australian investors, I think, that go to ComSec because in some some elements, it's the biggest budget that wins. It's the ones that you have the most, uh, it's called availability. So they've got both mm-hmm. physical availability and mental availability. And the thing that I would point out to investors there is that, You are not um, immune to marketing. (laughs) There's a thing called the mere exposure effect where just by seeing something more, you like it. A lot of people are familiar with some of those normal um, kind of uh, low-level biases that just like, you know, pop psych has proliferated. Mm -hmm. Um, By seeing something more, you will like it more. You will be inclined to then put your share of wallet and you'll be inclined to put your portfolio there. Um, So Mm -hmm. I think it Just with investing, how you can get emotional with things. I think it's always best for the person when you're choosing who to invest with. If you're just coming to it or if you're in a platform right now, like, look, what types of trades am I making? Am I doing micro investing? Am I doing those larger trades and am I maybe just influenced by the thing that has been most physically available to me because I can attach to my bank or just mentally available to me because Mm. there are a lot of companies out there that will spend big on billboards. Um, Mm. I think there's something to trail on from that and something that I'm very interested in is kind of using marketing as a predictive element of what will be happening within the market. We can't predict, you know, past performance is not indicative of future performance. General financial advice warning, please insert. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But you can look at things like the spend that some of these uh, larger companies have been making. So you can look at... Um, there are companies with that uh, marketers like myself might use, say Big Data, Big B-I-G-D-A-T-R being one of them, and yep. you can get an indicative view of the amount of ad spend that someone has been spending over that previous quarter.
0: Which is really cool to it, be able to see what these big yeah. firms are spending on marketing.
1: Because also, if you think about them doing a uh, marketing strategy or campaign, they're doing this months out, right? It's not something that they're all doing ad hoc, or they really shouldn't be, yep. um, and you can see that if there is an increased spend by people like NabTrade and Comsec, which there have been over the last three months, NabTrade, I think, is in the ninety percent as per big data numbers, and uh Comsec, I believe, about the eighteen to twenty or so percent. You can look at them increasing their percentage spent on advertising spend as them seeing the market as being mm-hmm. maybe at a turning point. Or at least some people with a lot of this industry data are looking at the market. These banks have these financial analysts looking at the market and could say, hey, now is a good time to spend on these ads because people are going to be in market like that. No one's advertising for lawnmowers in the winter. You know, people are advertising for the thing that's coming. Right. That that can be somewhat of a little signifier to look Mm. at the market and say, hey, look, there's a lot of and people will also see there have been a lot of other people that come in. You'll see a a few more billboards at the moment that are on in the investing space. And you can say, hey, look, is that? A signal to me that some other people think that the asx or just the investment landscape is about to turn turn around mm. you know does that mean that there'll be more people getting into the market does that mean that there is any time to uh start trading of course now is always the best time you know best time to plant a tree is yesterday yeah. etc but I think that's something that I use as a little indicator, and I find it quite interesting because I'm a bit of a marketing nerd, so.
0: <laughs> it's actually really interesting to me too, because as someone who's studying uh, companies to see if they're spending, like you take mm. typically take incumbents or the company's setting strategy as kind of the experts, the domain experts, at least they should be, because they're yep. the ones that have the experience and they offer the service. So yeah. I really do like that. Yeah. And um, I think it makes a lot of sense to look at all companies that way. And I think any analyst, that's now listening to this could probably go and get a big data subscription as well and be like, yeah. what's going on? There's,
1: there's another one that um, you can also assess slightly. So there are a couple of marketing dudes that marketers will know. Um, You've got uh, Liz Burnett and Peter Field and they've got this thing called the long and the short of it. So oh, yeah. long-term marketing and then short-term marketing often referred to as brand being the long-term and then short-term being performance. You're talking about YouTube ads, social ads, etc., etc. et, cetera, et cetera. Um, You can see that a lot of those companies, when they are making a big play they'll do the brand. That's the adverts that don't have an exact click to acquire that customer. You know, they're those things to build an association in the mind. Um, and usually when they start to spend more on that, and this goes against actual marketing practices, marketing practices say that brand should be on average 60% of your spend, where performance could be 40, etc. But a lot of um, companies when that finance space in particular, you'll see them when they start to go with those billboards that is when they are thinking that the market is going, they need to build those associations. You know, right, they need to be fresh they in the memory. That
0: first, and then?
1: When the billboards disappear and you're only seeing your uh, error ads in some, in some instances, Facebook on ads, Facebook, type. Instagram, yep. that's when they're just keeping the lights on, you know? Okay. So they're just saying, oh, well, we're not sure exactly what's happened. We're just gonna go back to doing the, the, the search the social will do those things, and those those things work. So that's another indicator to look at the market if you were going to. So whether they assess. think it's like
0: expansionary, or if they're just yep. kind of where they're at in the cycle. It. Yeah. Yep. Ah, really interesting. Really interesting. So anything else that you would leave us with, or is that um, you're going to keep some of the secret sauce for yourself?
1: Uh, look other random little tips of the trade um, things that are available to every everybody seo search engine optimization is obviously something that uh, can be indicative of what people are searching for easy one that people can do to look for um, say stocks or even just investment terms like so if you look at how to invest for instance um, that's something that i follow to see what people are searching for to see if they're looking for those preliminary investment education pieces Mm -hmm. Um, i think i recently noted how to invest had been declining from about like May through to July, but then in August, it's all like a 55% spike. So that to me tells me that within Australia over the last few months, a lot more people have been searching for those terms.
0: Interesting. It
1: could be a time that a lot more people are going to be coming into the market. You've had a few RBA
0: pauses. Yeah.
1: More things could be coming in.
0: That's really interesting. I have to dust off my old uh, SEO playbook, just like yep. brush that one off and then HubSpot. have a look. HubSpot.com, ha- SEMrush.com. How to, how to invest. I really like it, mate. Well, Rob, this has been a fantastic admin reveal um, my f- first ever admin reveal, to be honest. And I've got to say I'm proud. It's a I'm, proud I'm moment honored.
1: for it. I'm honoured.
0: And um, I can't wait to uh, keep, uh, keep the chats going online. If you're uh, wanting to tune in and chat with Rob, you know where to go uh, every Wednesday. Um, mate, this has been heaps of fun. I know, folks, I'll put a link in the show notes to your LinkedIn, to SelfWealth. You can join SelfWealth and you get free trades, I think, when you sign up. I could be wrong about that. Am I just speaking out of turn?
1: You can uh, go into the link in our YouTubes and there will be uh-huh. 10 free trades in there, but the, that is a referral link. you know. So if you if you just join normally, so a little bit of secret sauce for people, go to the YouTube link instead. If you're going to go sign up to SelfWealth, go into our little YouTube link. We've got a 10 free trades link there for you. You can sign up and that's about $100 worth of trading that you'll get. I might even
0: just uh, copy and paste that one over into yeah, can, yeah, yeah sure. interesting um well thanks mate i do really appreciate you, you walking across the city getting your coffee on the way over and uh and doing this with me thanks so much for having me
1: weird to be like visible and actually talking to you not yeah, behind the camera you but you know yeah you know, you now, now
0: the whole community is gonna know yep. who you really are mate yeah, uh, you're geez. gonna be famous walking down the street yeah the
1: next the next uh live session is gonna be an interesting <laughs> one
0: <laughs> yep. no mate it's heaps of fun thanks for joining me yeah thanks thanks mate cheers Thanks for listening to this podcast. Before you go, I wanted to share some things with you. Specifically, I wanted to tell you about the 10 ways that Rask could help you in 2024. As many of you know, Rask has grown to become one of the biggest investing and finance platforms in Australia. Across our podcasts, our websites, our memberships, and so on, we now engage around 200,000 Aussies which considering we started in a humble lounge room on a Kmart desk, one of those old fake white wooden ones, I'm pretty ecstatic about where we are six years later. As part of becoming one of Australia's biggest platforms for wealth creation and preservation, we now have a very special position in the country in that we can bring you some of the best, most thoughtful, expert-driven ways to protect and grow your wealth. And I'm going to share some of those with you now. I've got 10 ways that we can potentially help you or match you with someone who can. The first thing that I want to tell you about is the biggest step we've ever taken at Rask, which is the launch of our Rask Invest platform. This is a platform that lets our team, led by me, invest for you, primarily through low-cost, diversified ETFs. We'll have three strategies at launch And every investor who comes through can pick one of the three strategies being a balanced strategy, a growth strategy, and a high growth strategy. The balanced strategy focuses on passive income and the high growth strategy focuses on longer term compounding. You will find a link in your podcast player to register your interest. We will be taking off soon. Number two, if you prefer to DIY your investing, you can join me and over 4,000 members inside Rascore. That's our full ETF and ASX share research membership community. You can join now and you'll get updated ETF portfolio recommendations every quarter, as well as ongoing ASX and global stock research. Every single month, we call them the all-star stocks. You get that alongside the ETF portfolios as well as other members-only content. It's called RASCore. Number three, our first ever partnership with a business other than our own was a business by the name of Blusk, which has since become Flint Group. Flint Group is led by Chris Bates and Christian Stevens, two of Australia's most highly regarded mortgage brokers. Already over 200 RASC community members have begun the RASC plus Flint Group mortgage broking process. You can click the link in your podcast player if you're refinancing, investing, a first home buyer, or whatever. You've probably heard Chris on the show many times. Number four, you can connect with our most trusted financial advisors. Whether you're 25 years old, just graduated uni and looking to set yourself up, or approaching or in retirement and you've got that nest egg you want to protect and generate a passive income from, you can get in contact with our trusted panel of financial advisors. You can find the link in your podcast player. It's there each and every week. Just click the thing that says financial planning. Number five, if you want specialist insurance advice, as Warren Buffett said, rule number one is don't lose money. And rule number two is don't forget rule number one. Insurance is vitally important, especially when it comes to your number one asset, you whether you're a single income household or a couple and you just want to protect what would happen if. You want to protect your family if something goes wrong. You want to protect your spouse if you lose your job. You want to protect yourself if you hurt yourself on the weekend at footy. Insurance is a way to do that. And I think the best way to do insurance is through a financial planner. And there's a few reasons for that. But one of them is sometimes... Some insurers will only work with financial advisors, but they can also be your companion as you go through the sometimes daunting process of getting insurance done properly. Sometimes you might not even know, but you're not even covered, even though you think you are. So get the right advice. You'll find a link in the show notes to check that out. Number six, buying property. If you're like me and you're thinking of buying property in the next 12 months, or maybe you've already invested and you're looking to downsize, getting the right advice and being able to build wealth through property is a proven strategy. It might be one of the most contentious, but I think that we have one of Australia's best property coaches in our ranks. That is Pete Wargent. Pete is the host of the now super popular Australian property podcast by Rask, and he's also my analyst team's macro consultant. So if you're a member of rascor you will have seen Pete's name around the traps. He's a property coach and buyer's agent, and he works with a select number of people each and every year. Just a note on this. This is not a commercial thing with Pete. Pete just has great services, so we offer them to the community. And when he fills up, he fills up. You can find out more about Pete's coaching in the show notes. Next up, tracking your portfolio for tax? I think you are, because I think you have to. So, we've partnered with Nevexa to help you manage your share and ETF reporting, whether it's tax or performance. All RASC users get 20% off an annual plan with Nevexa. You can sync your portfolio with Nevexa's software and it automatically tracks your dividends, your capital gains tax, and more. Again, not a commercial partnership. We don't make anything from working with Nevexa, but they do create some great tools which the Rask community uses each and every day. Number eight, Want to run your own business? Maybe you already do. If you want more profit, but less stress, less time consumed, and less energy lost, get in contact. We have a partner business called Inflection. The Inflection Accelerator Program is a complete online course that helps you and a community of members engage and follow a proven strategy for growing your business. I'm grateful to be one of the coaches inside the Accelerator program, helping business owners right across Australia. You can find more following the link in your podcast player. It's the one that says coaching. Number nine, if you haven't already checked it out, join over 20,000 other people who tune into the Rask YouTube channel. It is completely free and you get notified when we go live and when we publish podcast episodes. There is a podcast on the Rask network each and every day, as well as bite-sized material that's less than 60 seconds or those really punchy tutorials and webinars that are just 15 minutes that take you through a really exciting topic, whether it's how to buy a property, whether it's how to pick a dividend ETF. Some of our most popular content actually just explains things like, what the heck is franking credits and how do I calculate if I've got some? That's on our YouTube channel. Number 10, if you want to be a better investor, a saver, a better partner with money, or just understand your own relationship with money, you can do that all of that by going to the Rask Education website and taking a free course. We've enrolled over 26,000 students at the time of this recording, and we're on a mission to get to 100,000 in the next few years. Rask Education is our mostly free education platform covering everything from budgeting and automation to the, probably I would say, the best value investing program in the country. So whether you're a value investor An intermediate investor, you want to know how to value Woolworths shares or you simply just want to understand what ethical investing is or buy your first property and what actually happens on settlement day, head to the Rask Education website and enroll in something today. It is free and it supports us because then I can come on here next month and I can say we've got 27,000 and hopefully we reach critical mass where we can help more Australians manage their money better. Thank you for listening to this long-winded ad If you want to get in contact with me, you know where to go. There's a link in your show notes. Basically, these 10 services, even though some of them we don't make any money from, support RASC and allow us to produce these podcasts, attract the biggest and best guests from Australia and around the world, and bring them to you to answer your questions. Thank you for being part of the RASC network, and thank you for your ongoing support. Bye for now.